Greetings and salutations, everyone. I hope everyone is enjoying the end of their year. If you are in celebrating the holidays, I hope that they're treating you well. And mostly, I hope everyone experiences rest and joy as the year comes to a close. I have been talking with our patrons and with counsel from our patrons, I, I wanted to take some time to rest. They, they were like, you should rest. And so I reluctantly decided that that was a good idea. And uh, instead of producing new content uh, for the last couple of weeks of the year, I'm going to be releasing some episodes, uh, recordings of our live episodes that have been exclusive to patrons until this moment, uh, right now. And so we originally had this conversation that I'm releasing today, way back in 2021. And it was really exciting to look back and really kind of reflect on how much I've changed in two years. And in a way, I'm able to have a conversation with myself about how my thoughts have changed. And when listening to old recordings, I am able to just negotiate and have a full-on conversation in my head with how I used to say things and like how that's changed and it kind of feels the same way as rereading old journal entries like some of them are kind of cringy but also some of them are like wow huh I, I wrote that that's that's pretty good um so anyway that said even as I share these old live episodes with you I will provide a few caveats first these episodes are not produced and so this means that there are a lot more pauses and we, we use those to think because we don't have things written out and know how we're going to say things or uh, things like that. And you, you might hear me typing as I take notes in our conversation. We talk over each other more often, and it's just a more natural conversation flow. And with that, it can amount to something that you might not normally expect from a podcast experience. That said, they are a ton of fun to be a part of, and we have had a really lovely crew supporting us on Patreon and attending episodes every month. You've heard some of them on prior episodes uh, of the main feed of the podcast, and in 2024, we are actually starting with episode one of book three of Avatar The Last Airbender, piloting the third season in 2024, and you're welcome to join us. If you join us on Patreon, you can join me and our patrons in discussing what we can learn from some of the best television ever and certainly one of the greatest stories ever. Uh, as previously mentioned, our work on Kiyoshi is still coming, but as I prepare for that, I hope that these can sustain you. Uh, and over these next three weeks, we'll be releasing live episodes from the vault. So you can look forward to at least three live episodes from 2021 coming your way uh, over the next three weeks. I hope you enjoy them, and I hope you have a lovely close to your year. Until next time, be well and do good. Enjoy! Welcome. We're talking about insecurity today and the storm. Um, how's everybody doing? Is there any bright spots from this past week for people that people are interested in sharing? Or month, rather? What's up? Go ahead. Um, I got promoted to my next rank in karate. Wow. What can, can I ask for rank? Yeah, so I've officially reached second brown. So there's three ranks of brown, so I'm officially in the middle rank. That's awesome. Congratulations. 
Thanks. If you were around here, I'd make you cake, but you're not. <laughs> I appreciate the sentiment nonetheless. Yeah. What else? Anybody else? Cool, 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 cool. I moved in with Ben. Yeah. Chun Chun's back in the same house. Very exciting. Um, <laughs> he just spent two, his first two weeks of being my roommate in Pittsburgh, which was a great, he was a great roommate for like two weeks. And then he yeah. showed up. <laughs> really nailed it. I'm yeah. moving to Pittsburgh this weekend. You really? are? Yeah. So I just moved my fiance up there because she got a residency at UPMC. Um, so it was a bittersweet time, but it was, uh, it's unbelievably gorgeous up there. Um, at least in the summer. And I assume the fall jury is out on, uh, what winter looks like, uh, <laughs> in, in Pittsburgh, but it seems great. So winter be- in Pittsburgh is, um, it's an experience. It's, it's unpredictable. What you love to hear about things <laughs> like weather. Yeah. <laughs> Any other uh, small wonders or joys before we dive into insecurity? <laughs> well, hearing none, feel free to ask me to circle back, but we will dive in. So uh, on your screen, you have a couple definitions for insecurity. Uh, insecurity. And then I also included the definition for insecure because there was a lot more depth to insecure as well. So I, I included those. Um, feel free to take a, take a read and check them out. And then if you have questions or comments or if anything's standing out, let us know and we'll, and we'll chit chat about it. And if not, then we'll just move on and that'll be that. I also got the definition for like, or like a kind of definition for like uncertainty. Um, Cause I think that came up in my look at insecurity. And I thought it was interesting cause it was like uncertainty is like limited knowledge of future outcomes or more than one possible outcome where some outcomes have an undesired effect or significant loss or like not being able to accurately measure risk um, and constantly asking, like, what if? So I thought that kind of related, especially, and I looked that up after watching the episode, and I was like, I feel like that kind of relates um, to what happens in the episode. Yeah, I de- think there's definitely a, a correlation between <laughs> what, whether we are secure and whether we are in control or certainty, right? And so I definitely think there's a tie there for sure. Any other thoughts? Um, I mean, a word that definitely came to my mind, like as I was watching the episode a lot was inadequacy. Um, and especially with um, with Aang's side of the story, this feeling of like not being good enough. And you see that with like the, the, um, the opening where it's like, everyone's, oh, we need you. Um, we need you. And it's, it's just these voices echoing in his head. Mm-hmm. Talked about that on the recording for tomorrow's episode that's posting. So, yeehaw. 
I like the imagery around not adequately guarded. Um, because I think when it's easy to think like, uh, for me, adequate means like the right amount, right? It's not over or under. And I think a lot of times when we are insecure about things, we become overly guarded in the way that we process the world. Um, which is still not an adequate amount of like guard in, in my head. And so that the imagery that comes with that, um, I was like, that still works. So it's about to be like, Oh no, nope. Like it still works. And so, um, yeah. I like that. It's a neat concept. Too much armor is also inadequate. I like that. Any other comments on these definitions before we move on to quotes? All right. Once again, hearing no immediate response, we're going to slowly scroll down until the definitions are no longer visible. All right. Let me blow up the font for people. Um, I forget that some people are looking at different screen. And so we have four little quotes uh, addressing insecurity from various people on Goodreads. Uh, thank you, Goodreads. You may sponsor us at any time. Um, but other than that, let's uh, give you a chance to read through these and let us know if anything pops up that is noteworthy. Yeah, the second and fourth are very interconnected. I think the fourth is like, is very, um, I think it, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's this kind of, oh, like I'm, I'm kind of projecting this kind of thing I lack um, and masking and, you know, like Sunshine was said, I'm, I'm overly guarding this aspect that I am um, uncertain of um, and in a certain way also drawing attention to it. For sure. What else? If anything. I just feel like those two, that's like Zuko. Like that's what I thought of. I was like, that's straight Zuko. And I feel like Aang takes, I don't know if any of these quotes really embody how Aang handles insecurity. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll get more into that later. Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time on the whole, the Gifts of Imperfection episodes to not always reference Zuko because he's such a good like example for every example that I want to pull up. And I feel like, okay, I can't use Zuko this time. Okay, I can't use this. <laughs> um, but yeah, Zuko is going through this process for sure. <laughs> Anything else? I've got two thoughts on the Shannon L. Alder quote. One is, how does she get a quote for everything that I've ever Googled on Goodreads? Because I think... <laughs> I, this isn't like, if I'm not mistaken, it's not like a really prolific author. It's just someone who's like tagged, like every tag imaginable on their Goodreads quotes. And so they always pop up and it starts to bother me uh, because I'm like, how, how are they everywhere? Secondly, I, so that was irrelevant. So thanks for that. Um, often that 
those that criticize others reveal what he himself lacks. I wonder if it's uh, that they lack it or that they're just hypersensitive around that subject um, when I think about those things. And then that also brings me to the point of like what the point of criticism is and like where that lies in its purpose of why you're doing it. Right. So if it's me criticizing a random person on the street, like what's the point? What was the end game? What was the reason? Um, and I think that almost speaks more to the inner person. That was a thought. I have no idea how relevant it was to our conversation, but it went through my head. So I said it, which is always well, a great way to live your life. I think that's the problem, though, is when we assume that people are saying things because they like have an end goal in mind right a lot of times we say things just because it's just on our mind right and so assuming that people are always thinking about like the end goal is i think a big assumption <laughs> um for sure right so I, I i i think sometimes we say things and then all of a sudden like three hours later we're like i don't know why i said that <laughs> like, um, what was the point of that yeah. comment Exactly. I, I know that I have definitely done that. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it, you kind of think like, especially like being a girl, people think like other girls criticize you because they're jealous of you or like you criticize people because, yeah, because you're like jealous. And I'm like, I feel like being somebody who grew up in a very critical family um, that I noticed that I criticize people, it's not because I think they have something I don't where I'm jealous of them. It's like way deeper than that. I feel like insecurity is way deeper than like those like surface level things that people like kind of stereotype it as. Going off of that too, I feel like fear is a big factor of insecurity and it's not as predominant in any of these quotes. Like it's kind of hinted at with the, the fourth quote, the hallmark of insecurity is bravado, right? Because a lot mm -hmm. of people are big and showy because they're insecure about something, but it's not really referencing fear explicitly. And even the first one with the problem of human attraction is not knowing if it will be returned. That yeah. kind of shows a little bit of fear, but not even at a, a great depth. So I think I'm just, I'm, I feel like we're missing that aspect of fear mm -hmm. for insecurity. Because I would say that definitely, not necessarily all the time, but a lot of the time is a factor of insecurity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was in, was that in one of the definitions? Yeah, right. So beset by fear and anxiety. Yeah, for sure. There it is. Right. Um, Anything else before we move on to the actual episode, The Storm? Flashbacks and dreams. All right. Well, then here we go. Let's dive on in. We are talking about episode 12, The Storm. Uh, what are some moments that we noticed of insecurity in this episode? I guess the big one is Ang's feeling of insecurity before he runs away.
and and this is really interesting for me because this is a 12 year old not a 112 year old this is a 12 year old (laughs) who is been loaded on and he overhears like these people saying no we're going to ship him away and what's really fascinating about this is it's not the the looming war that drives him to run away it's the thought of losing his loved ones and -hmm. the people he cares about that makes him run away which is somewhat counterintuitive because he's running away from the loved ones and anyway but it's like that to me is what drives that rather than like this threat of being the avatar it's the threat of losing his loved ones um did anybody see that differently i I, like that's just that's what how it rang for me and but I'm, i'm curious if other people saw it differently I saw some insecurity with the monks. Um, So not in Aang, but tagging off of what you just said, Ben, about how they're sharing with him prematurely because he's 12 and the avatar isn't told of the avatar until they're 16, right? That's the the standard age when they have more adult-like qualities to them. So I think that's an indication of the monks being insecure about the state of the world and putting unnecessary pressures on an actual child, right? And starting him almost too early, right? Because if they hadn't started this conversation at 12 or if they had been more open with Aang about what was gonna happen versus, right? They have a lot of conversations without him in closed rooms and he's the one who is like eavesdropping, which I would not say is his fault for eavesdropping. He needs to know what's going on. So he should have been in that room having that discussion, if they're going to put the weight of being the avatar on a 12 year old, then he needs to be in the room with them versus keeping him out. And then that miscommunication is what drove him away, right? Because then Monkeyazzo even comes to him afterwards, um, even though Aang's already left, right? And he's like, I'm not going to let them take you away from me. Like, I'm going to protect you. But he doesn't get to say that to Aang's face because Aang's already gone. I like how he kind of intuited that Aang was listening. Like he didn't come in saying, oh, they're trying to take you away. He just assumed that Aang was there and he knew. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, another thing that stood out to me was how um, this revelation kind of consistently puts Aang at odds with how he perceives himself within his community. So, um, he can no longer play with the other airbenders because they think he has an unfair advantage. Um, he can no longer play with Monk Yatso because the other masters think that he should be focusing on his training. And he also can't really hold on to the fact that, you know, when he was little, he chose these toys because he thought they were fun, but really it's this predestined choice that's forced on him because of his identity as the avatar. And it's, it's this, this juxtaposition that like what he thinks is um, inherent to his own like self-created identity is actually something that is imposed on him. Oof. Yeah, well said, yeah, for real, dang. Yeah, that's big. So I'm, I'm, that's really big. And I want to sit on that for a second, but, but I'm also want to circle back 
speak to something that was said just like a, a minute ago. Um, the, on this past Tuesday's episode, I don't know if any of you have listened to it already or not, but we ref I referenced this moment um, when talking about the concept of scarcity and the moment that Tashi, the monk, comes in to say, Aang should be training, and Gatsu's like, nah, he's going to lose at Pai Show because this is Pai Show time. Um, and it's very clear that, you know, as you were saying, that these, these monks are feeling insecure. And I think one of the sources of that insecurity is coming from this culture of scarcity, of like, we don't have enough time. We have to train him as fast as possible in order to combat the looming war, right? And, and, and in a way they're they're right um and so it's it's this interesting like weird sense of when is insecurity serving its purpose and when is it not and when do we and how do we grapple and discern the usefulness of that insecurity because i i think like there are times when we need to be very grateful that we were feeling insecure in a certain moment right because it might have saved our lives and then I wonder like, oh no, this is a moment where I need to have some courage and go into this moment. And because, I don't know if I'm articulating this well, right? It's like, we shouldn't be ashamed of the times where we're feeling insecure because our body is telling us something that it's telling us that we aren't safe and we need to listen to our bodies. And like, there's a reason our bodies are telling us this message. And so we've learned over time or culture has given us this message. And so um, it's helpful to listen, but also not sometimes. So I, I think my question is how do we then discern when it is helpful and when it is not? And, and I think I have an ant an answer for me, I guess is the best way to word that of, of when I discern those things. Um, and it's when am I still living into my value system when I make decisions based off of the insecurities or the fear that I'm feeling, right? Ben's got a very good point that fear serves a legitimate purpose, keeps us safe. It, like there's reasons for it existing in our body as a mechanism. Um, but when we are making decisions out of insecurity and fear and not living into our values at that same time, then we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And I, I look at the moment where Aang, you're too good, right? Like I'm, I don't feel good enough. And so I'm not going to let you play with me, which to me speaks to me because I, I really try to view belonging as one of my values. And so that's a moment where it's like, that is not centered in belonging. That is centered in exclusion. Um, and so that insecurity and fear is a moment where it's like, that is not me living into my values. Um, and so I think that it's, we see time and time again throughout this episode, when, when people make decisions rooted in insecurity and fear, rather than their value systems that exist, the harm that it causes over and over again in every kind of story arc of this episode. Yeah. Um, which brings me to like another point, which is the Zuko um, where he very flippantly is like avatar way more important than, than the safety of my crew, um, which logically makes zero sense. You have no crew, you have no boat, uh, you have no ability to go get the avatar. So like logically I was just like, that's so dumb. Um, but like he says it because that's a, this is my only driving force. This is what I feel really insecure about right now. And if that means that I'm willing to sacrifice the safety of my crew, like that caused legitimate harm to the people that he's, he's leading. Um, and I would argue that 
Um, granted, his values are a little skewed at the moment, um, but ultimately, I think again, we just see those those reasonings play out over and over again when people make decisions based out of that fear and insecurity without thinking of their values in those moments, the harm that it causes. Hmm. I hope that was able to tie into Ben's and maybe add a little clarity. I thought so. Yeah, definitely. What else? Other moments or comments on some of the things that have been said that have been very insightful? <laughs> well, so um, watching this episode again this time, uh, what really stood out to me was the moment with Gyatso and um, Aang playing Pai Show, especially after um, listening to Tuesday's episode. And also just like in terms of uh, being relatable, um, having this sense of like, okay, I can schedule this time to have fun and not think about all the work I have to do. Because one thing that I do again and again is I think about all the stuff I need to do. And so if I am doing something that I consider fun, I'm not able to enjoy it. Yep. Because I'm thinking about the work I have to do. Story of my life. And then the thing I'm supposed to be having fun doing loses its its flavor. And I end up just like cir circling around doing nothing, not really having fun, not getting my work done. And you know, it, so it, it is important to have that balance of like, okay, this is this is like a dedicated time where I am not thinking about work. This is a de dedicated time where I am thinking about work. And that is very easily said and very yeah. hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. and it, like, it's, but it's so true, right? We have to give ourselves permission to have fun when we, when we still have a very long to-do list, right? Because our worthiness is not contingent upon us completing the things that are on our to-do list. Rather, we are worthy regardless of the condition of that to-do list. And I can still have fun, right? Uh, in, I mean, absolutely, right? That is built out of insecurity or feeling like we're not good enough at what we're doing, right? Like I, that's when I, I am arguably my biggest like work thing, very similarly is when I'm like, I'm not doing good enough. And so I can't stop and play because I have to meet this level of being good enough before I can take the time and say like, all right, cool. Now I can relax, right? So like, that's when those moments hit the hardest is is because of that insecurity and fear mm -hmm. mm. My, my insecurity comes out like the opposite way like I'm terrified that I'm never going to be perfect at stuff and I know that I can't be perfect at stuff so I procrastinate so that I have an excuse when it doesn't turn out perfect like oh hey it's not too bad I only spent two hours on it you know there's an interesting parallel it kind of ties off of what Danielle just said too but how Aang a hundred years ago from right in the beginning of the flashback runs away what starts as a clear day and then turns into this massive storm and then because he runs away or he procrastinates being the avatar it cycles back and he has to relive almost like a deja vu moment right like 
it, mm. it all cycled back through where he, because he procrastinated and he ran away from this event, just like if we, you know, procrastinate from daily things in life, whether it's work or like house things or chores, it comes back and we end up having to deal with it. And it's usually a, a bigger storm. And I would say the second storm was larger than the first. And I think there's symbolism in that as well. Yeah, I, I agree. It was larger than the first because like it definitely had more at stake because the first storm, it was just him and Appa and the second, it had like three other people as well. Mm -hmm. I like that because I mean, because it's written kind of as a deja vu type event. I like that Aang, though, is given a second chance to kind of right the wrongs um, of the first storm. Because kind of the same exact thing happens, right? They're overtaken and he looks at all of them. And instead of like letting his fear consume him, right? Because kind of his whole story arc is about how he did abandon people. He did run away he's feeling super insecure about all the things that he did actually do because Qatar is like that old man doesn't know what he's talking about and he's like actually that old man is completely right about me um so I feel like the second storm gives him a chance to kind of change the narrative for himself and he's conscious the second time that he's in the water whereas yeah. like you said the first time he's actually knocked unconscious yeah so it's the avatar state kicks in and I would say that this is the first time we see him initiate the avatar state, even if he doesn't do it consciously, subconsciously, because he's aware enough of his surrounding and it's not out of anger. Whereas all the other times we've either seen that massive fear or anger yeah. initiate avatar state. And I wouldn't say that he's angry at this point. Yeah, I feel like the first time was to survive. Yeah. Like he just needed to be alive exactly so he protected himself in that way but the second time yeah it's much more of like his own volition hmm. isn't that speak kind of true to the way that like we process emotions when we're aware of them versus not aware of them right like this ability when we caught like consciously go through things um and name our own insecurities and know that they're present and process them the difference that that means how we like treat that situation um that was a really that was a really nice parallel to pull. So well thank you for doing that. It's a really good advertisement for therapy, I think. <laughs> yes. Yes. Go to therapy, master the avatar state. <laughs> friends. If you go to therapy, you too can master the avatar state. <laughs> Been telling oh, that to people in this therapy. fandom all the time. <laughs> Avatar state is actually just therapy. controlling your panic attacks. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. There'll be a tagline. Bending, not breaking. Go to therapy. Mastering the avatar state. That's great. You want to be the best avatar you can be? Go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. For real, man. Jeez. But like, truly. <laughs> oh. This, I mean, this entire I, series would have been two episodes if every character was <laughs> If you think about it, that's what kind of Guru Patek was in, in season yeah. two, you know? He's Aang's therapist. Mm -hmm, totally. Yeah, what do they say? Like the biggest, your biggest foe is going to be yourself. Yeah, biggest 
your worst enemy mm. inside. The only other one that is, I think, uh, coming to my mind in terms of small insecurities is when Sokka wakes up from being woken up and he immediately wakes up with both weapons out. <laughs> and <laughs> to me, that is an action of stemming from insecurity <laughs> and potentially a lack of safety and fear of what might happen should he not be sleeping with weapons in hand. Um, and, I, and I think about the people who sleep with, you know, guns under their pillows and the people who are constantly on edge and who do like, that's, if that's not speaking from insecurity, I don't know what is. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on that moment? I like how he says, oh, have we been captured? Or like, he says something like that. He's just like, it, right? the worst thing has happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think from personal experience, if you live a life of, especially as a child, if you live a life of insecurity, uh, you will become a person who acts out of insecurity as an adult. Uh, not that I've ever slept with a gun under my pillow, but I have slept with a like giant flashlight that could bludgeon a person to death next to my bed for many years. Metaphorical. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Not, and yeah, that's something I've had to work on. It's like not living from a place of fear just because you think something bad is going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm kind of going to take like a different direction with it and not go like the like preparing with weapon route in case of like an immediate sure. threat. But like, and this kind of goes back to last month's discussion with um, the Great Divide and, you know, it's kind of weird that both of these episodes have this kind of, oh, like, look at the weather outside. It's not going to rain. Uh, with the Great Divide, it was, we're not going to put the tarps up. With this episode, it's, oh, like, it's okay. We shouldn't turn the ship or it's okay to go fishing. Um, and, you know, it, it just makes me wonder with, um, is it the Zhangs and the Ganjins mm -hmm. that, like, end up banding together how did things turn out with them because half of them did not put tarps up and half of them did and they got caught in a storm most likely hmm. <laughs> it reminded me it's like i feel like a lot of these episodes especially between like Sokka and katara um it pits like like rationality versus intuition or like street smarts versus book smarts. Like they're always kind of pitting different intelligences against each other. And I think that the show is trying to kind of like tell you that there are times for both though. Apparently Sokka needs to be wrong a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is kind of full of it. So I feel like they just get his comeuppance. And thinking, thinking of all that just made me think back to like, we see Iroh make a decision out of insecurity, making a decision and guidance around, I don't think we're prepared enough to navigate the storm. Um, but he did that thinking of the safety and the crew and the well-being of other people. And so I think we got an example, going back to our like point from 20 minutes ago, we got an example of what it means to 
make decisions out of fear, insecurity, rooted in values, and like it being a good decision. Um, and so just that thought, I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier, but that made me think of it then. So that's so a yeah. great point. Look what happens when we listen to insecurity early on and then we filter it through our values, things go well. But also like that, because there's context there. There's also knowledge and understanding and discussion around like, hey, boat, not good with storm. Like, don't do that. Um, but there's more context and discussion and awareness that all centers around those insecurities or, or knowing insecurities. Um, that allows them to make good decisions based off of that that are not harmful to, to those involved. And so look at Iroh just being another good example of the way to do things. He's the Mr. Feeney of the Avatar world. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Boy Meets World. All right. We are at 912. Uh, I want to, uh, I see raising a point. I want to like invite you to offer more uh, points of discussion or offer us a chance to move on to the next segment. But I see that we have a potential point. I just have one point of insecurity that's slightly controversial. So I just want to bring that up real quick. Um, thinking about Fire Lord and his insecurity with Zuko in the war room. I think that's an example of insecurity with the way he responds um not in the war room but outside of the war room in the the Agni Kai where so in martial arts but also in in other um events outside of martial arts right when someone bows that's like a great sign of respect um but when Zuko bows he does a kneeling bow with his face down to the ground so whenever you do an eye looking down so like your eyes are pointed to the ground it's like the the what's the word I'm looking for the most humblest way that you can bow because it's also putting complete trust in the person you're bowing to that they're not going to hurt you and Zuko does that to the fire lord who's also his father and I think because there's all these spectators right like so many people are there for this event that that moment of pure um trust that Zuko exhibits the fire lord has a moment of insecurity and perhaps that's why he acts even more rashly with Zuko because his son did a better job of being vulnerable than he's able to do. I think that Zuko being vulnerable is like what like set him off even more because I think Iroh even says like like his father saw that as like the ultimate sign of weakness like yeah. he wouldn't even fight mm -hmm. he decided to defer so I think yeah, definitely. We could yeah, probably spend an entire episode on this moment. <laughs> yeah. This episode is really sad, you guys. Like this whole episode yeah. is like so sad. Like I forgot that we get Zuko's like tragic backstory, like episode 12. And we like, what's funny is I feel like it doesn't really even, we still hate him. We still hate him. That's what I was yep. just thinking. Literally, I was like, we still don't like him. We literally hear that his dad like literally gave him a face scar and then kicked him out. And we're still just like, yeah, but he's kind of really mean. The, the exact, mm -hmm. This is the first humanizing moment for Zuko. 
mm-hmm. for for viewer first time viewers, right? This is the first time where we're like, oh, he has a history of of trauma, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you know, I mean, it doesn't that doesn't excuse his actions, right? But what we learn over time is that this is the beginning of a long journey of trying to heal from that one moment. Um, so yikes, yikes, yikes. And I think it's a very real moment. Like uh, it's a, for Fire Lord Ozai, it's to me insecurity as a parent, right? Like he is supposed to have raised this child to be respectful and it's the equivalent. I I'm picturing it as like, a child throwing a tantrum in a grocery store and the shame that a parent feels around that. Like, I feel that's the way that Ozai views this situation and thus overreaches and overreacts. Like we see parents do that regularly. And then you get an additional instance of that when he feels like he raised a coward, when he feels like he raised a weak person Mm -hmm. during the Agni Kai. And so that you get two moments of him being like shown to the public as not a good parent um and i think you see the reaction of that as someone who works with kids and parents regularly i will say one of the most devastating things a parent can feel about themselves is not being good enough as a parent um and because i've seen reactions from parents in conversations where you word things where you're like, your child did this, the immediate like shame that a parent feels on that, like that means I'm a terrible parent. Um, and the overreactions that you view from that, whether it's targeted towards me or a child or anything else. And so um, this moment hits home because yes, typically we don't see a duel between a parent and a child like as a result of any type of shame. Um, but we, we see reactions like that take place. That's a very real moment for so many kids. And I wonder how many kids saw themselves in Zuko in that moment. That's a really yeah. good point. And um, one thing that I think that a core aspect of like for both people of Zuko and Ozai's relationship is insecurity on both ends. For Ozai, it's everything you said, but also I think, I I don't know, I don't remember where I saw it, but I think it, one of the comics, he actually said that, like, there was a point where they thought Zuko wasn't going to be a bender, mm. and he was so, like, he was scared about being embarrassed by that, and, like, the, the implications it would have on him, like, what people would think of him if his firstborn son wasn't a bender um but for Zuko it's also I think it goes back to the the first quote that you showed Ben um where it's uh human attraction and not knowing if it's going to be returned um and how you know especially after he gets burned but I mean throughout his whole life there's this he feels a, a love for his father that it's not guaranteed if it's ever going to be returned, which is the base of it, basis of his whole obsession with finding the avatar. Yeah. I was actually going to reference the comics as well um, because there's a lot of insecurity about Zuko's mother uh, 
actually having had Zuko, right? Because she writes a letter, uh, spoiler alert um, for people who haven't read it. Um, I'll give you a second to plug your ears if that's your thing. Um, she writes a letter to her other preferred, you know, hubby and um, drops it, says, oh, he, Zuko's actually your child, actually Ozai's child, but was trying to see if Ozai was reading her letters. And so this whole thing like around like, oh, is Zuko even my son? Oh, I don't like him and I'm going to treat him poorly because you acted this way. And so there's this history of, you know, this relationship is tenuous at best because of the insecurity in this entire family around, you know, bonds. But also, I think it's pretty fascinating to think about Zuko's interaction in this war chamber because Zuko interacts very securely in this chamber he's not acting out of insecurity he's acting out of security he's like no i disagree with you (laughs) and that is a moment of like no i'm like this is my my right as being invited to this room i'm allowed to speak and then he gets you know then it turns out bad uh but yeah i think that's interesting as well and that security actually becomes insecurity because in the same way that he defends the lives of the Fire Nation soldiers in the in the room, on the ship, he says that finding the Avatar is more important, showing that his his foundation has been shaken to such a degree that he is at odds with like what he thinks is right. And I, I it makes me wonder does do unchecked insecurities end up becoming self-fulfilling prophecies um in in a sense of i don't think i'm a good parent and so i act out of that insecurity that's unchecked and then by then i then i end up not being a great parent by my actions or i'm scared of being the avatar and the responsibility that that happens and i don't talk about those things and i and i run away and i end up not being a great avatar because i'm not present um, and I wonder if that speaks truth to the way that we engage going in un- our unchecked insecurities and not speaking about these things with the people that we trust and love and like how many of those things become self-fulfilling prophecies as we move through life if we don't check them as we experience them. Which reminds me of the movie, She's Out of My League, which I recently rewatched. It's not good. It takes place in Pittsburgh, though, so that's fun. It's a pretty mediocre movie. It's just a six but, out of ten at best. But, well, Sunshine, a six out of ten, or is it a ten out of ten, and it needs to believe in itself a little bit better? Oh my God. So the whole premise is that the main character thinks he's a, quote, a five out of ten on the hotness scale, um, and he ends up dating someone who he perceives to be a ten out of ten. And he believes that she's out of his league. And so it then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy until he gets talked back into believing that he's worthy, right? And so it's really just a whole conversation about this. This You could use that as a whole lesson on this conversation that we've been having. I'm sure Max would love to do a Max's Choice episode on she's out of my league. And we can I bet talk about would that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of great one-liners. Just, it's a mediocre movie though. You're oh, I 100% agree. It's mediocre and a lot of great one-liners. Talk about another movie that would have been really short if people just went to therapy. <laughs> yep. 
like in fact I, that's gonna be the new game i play yeah hey i watched indiana jones in the temple of doom would have been real short if indiana just would have gone to therapy <laughs> i feel like that's like all tv shows though so so many tv shows and movies the premise is just non-communication yes that's the mm -hmm. premise Star Wars would have been so short if Anakin would have just gone to therapy. <laughs> yeah, like House, Sherlock, mm -hmm. and like, yeah. Every romance novel ever. <laughs> yeah. Every rom-com. The yep. MCU is just Thanos on a couch. Civil War would not have happened if those boys had gone to therapy. That's correct. <laughs> I just started the timeline. Don't ruin things for me. Oh my god, sorry. No, you just fine. finished <laughs> Thor and yeah. uh Yeah. I was actually gonna bring up Thor. I mean, I won't spoil anything, but I think Thor is a really good example of um worthiness and and how you know if you believe you are worthy, it, and it's not it's not like tied to external validation or or accomplishments as much I, i'm trying to be as vague as possible yeah uh, that was really good i'll have another <laughs> well i mean say i mean how like, if we jumped to, to loki as a character right how many of those actions are caused out of insecurity right 100 percent like all and and so um ben you'll you'll see as you go through the mcu you'll you'll be able to add your thoughts i can't wait we'll see i can't wait it'll happen over time i'm about to start school again um <laughs> so uh before we move on to our devotion is there are there any other moments that we need to to lift up before we move on all right so i'm keeping our time in mind and going to our devotion we have our element of air this week and our theme of insecurity and the things that we've learned so i'm i'm curious um who would like to share their thoughts on their intention for this coming month um now that we've had this 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 discussion I think we've used this before, but I think it is important with this one is is to take time and, and just breathe and really process things. Um, it seems like a cop out when you say like breathe air. Great. Awesome. Um, done. Uh, but the reality, I think, is uh, specifically we see so many moments and actions of people that if they just would have taken 30 seconds throughout this episode to like think about the reactions to things, how differently so many lives would have their paths would have changed potentially um and just that ability to kind of sit and process and i had a moment like that today um leaving pittsburgh leaving my partner for the next year and a half um going to a job that i like i love the job but the next month is not going to be the most fun and so i was just like oh, do i need to leave my job do i need to do something else and it ultimately came down to a point where it was just like think about what's going on let's problem solve let's figure out what i'm doing i feel so much better today than i did yesterday about where i'm at and what i'm doing what i need to be doing and that it, it required me to just 
think and breathe on it as opposed to reacting out of insecurity and fear. And so I think the continued intention around that is, is going to be important for me um, for this upcoming week. I think related to that, I don't know what I'm picturing is I'm like, what type of mechanism is this like? Or maybe just like opening your windows. Like I was just thinking like stagnant air, like it's really easy to get caught up um, and like kind of like shut, shut down or like trap, I don't know, trap yourself or trap air. Just, I was thinking about like when I feel really insecure, I kind of start dwelling on and like kind of in the same cycle again and again. So I was thinking about opening things up and realizing like that the flow of time and the flow of life is good for problems. Um, Cause I'm sure I'm gonna face a lot of things in the next month that are gonna really cause me to get bound up. Just go with the flow, man. That's good, I can't wait for everyone to listen back to that one. Well said. <laughs> no, I liked it. It was like the idea of breaking like a thought spiral by adding some fresh air, some fresh perspective. Thinking of like going with the flow, but also sortly, uh, sort of in a different direction a little bit because the season is about to change. And for the, the teachers in this group and those that work with kids primarily, that's a big transition point, which is why we're not looking forward to this next month is not gonna be the best of months because the, the wind is literally changing for students, for you know, schedules, for life in general. A lot of kids are suddenly going back to full-time in-person school and it's kind of the first time this has happened in the past year and a half where not that it's necessarily normal but the structure while not necessarily being great is still there so the kind of go with the flow the wind's going to change constantly I feel like it's something we need to be aware of that the winds are going to shift and there's probably another storm impending, unfortunately, like watching just like the news and the Delta variant and how we're going to have to be able to, to guide the ship as the storm comes and find that point of, you know, do you just go with the wind or do you fight against it to get to the center of the storm, the eye of the storm, like Iroh had his ship do because they were drowning. Um, that I think, I think okay. that made pretty good sense. Even the episode. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So the thing that I'm thinking about is in a way similar to, to Kelly's. I was worried she was going to take mine, but she ended up going a different direction. Um, I was thinking about how in the middle of summer, um, cool air and hot air kind of find their ways in and out of where they're supposed to be. Meaning uh, I keep my house at a nice temperature and then I notice the cracks in my doors 
where that cold air is seeping out and hot air is seeping in. And I'm thinking about this concept of adequately guarded. And I want to make sure that where am I leaking, right? Where, am, where do I need to notice that I have um, insecure borders and insecure boundaries that I can maintain and um, reinforce so that they are secure? And then where are the, the spaces that I'm overly guarded that I am you know, wasting energy on that I no longer need to do? And so I, for me, it's how do I, be, I want to become aware of, of those, those leaks and those um, potentially overprotected pieces. And so I, I think that what that means is I need to um, take time to process and really think about this, this lens a little bit for my own personal reflection. And so that, that might mean just to taking a, creating some white space in my schedule to actually think about it so that I'm not, um, cause I am notoriously too busy. And so I'm, maybe it's, it's cultivating and making, making intentional time to actually process that. So you're not literally going to fix the, the energy leaks in this house and this, and the drafts, because as my landlord, I feel like. Tell you what, when you find one, oh. that's it. I've, every door in this house has an inch gap between the top and the that bottom. That is not true. I'll point them out. I'll you're, point them out. That is 100% not true. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at one right behind me, Ben. Your door to the other part As of the my of the landlord, it is your responsibility to fix the literal energy leaks in this house. Did I make Ben's evening a little bit tougher tonight? The answer is yes, I did. What I, I have the power to mute you, buddy. Take that. <laughs> not in, not literally in this house, you don't. <laughs> That's true. No mute uh, button on my mouth. We're really glad you guys are back together in the same house. <laughs> Great. I'm not. This Everyone is, is already, overjoyed. It's already too long. <laughs> it's too much. The uh, next Patreon add-on is we're going to turn this house into Big Brother. <laughs> and live streams. Yes, I just want Sunshine walking around with like a little thermometer gun. Like a little like heat. A like a little like heat seeking. Like, yes. I need the Facebook group's going to be able to vote on my actions towards Ben. Hey, it's two in the morning and Ben's sleeping right now. What will Sunshine do next? <laughs> Patrons, go ahead and vote. I really don't like this. I don't like this one bit. You're the only one. Everyone else seems to love this idea. Season six of Bending Not Breaking. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um. I want to make space there in that not everybody has had a chance to, and if you would like a chance to share an intention, I want to offer that opportunity, but no pressure. Um, I think mine is pretty similar to a lot of yours. Um, you know, uh, one thing that I kind of do is like, um, especially when things are very stressful, um, I'll, sort of let pressure build and build and build until there's like kind of a, a breaking point. And it's kind of like, you know, 
mechanical engineer like I am, it's kind of like putting air into like a closed environment and, you know, there's nowhere for the air to escape. So you're just constantly putting air into this closed environment until the pressure becomes so much that the integrity is, is compromised. Um, and so one thing that I've, I've been trying to do is be a little bit more um, loose with my own expectations of myself. And, you know, a lot of the time what allows this pressure to build is these constraints that I put on, on myself in part that are caused by, you know, the insecurity I feel when I'm doing something instead of doing work or um, procrastinating on, on something um, and, and sort of adopting more of an approach where um, sort of trusting myself to get something done. And it's, it's kind of one of those things where it, at a certain point, it is kind of a, a, a leap of faith where you're, you're not, there's not intention in every single thing you do towards a goal. Um, and more of, oh, this needs to get done. I trust that I will get it done in time um, and, and sort of loosening that pressure on myself. Awesome. All right. Uh, I think that's everybody. Danielle, are you interested in sharing an intention or would you like to pass? Either way, it's totally cool. I don't really have anything to add, but I'm going to be following uh, all of your guys' advice because it's really good. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to be under a lot of pressure in the next month or so because I'm in my first semester of master's degree and I have one of my tutoring students is coming up on HSE. So that's going to be a lot of pressure on her and on me. So yeah you gotta loosen that air pressure so that air can get mm -hmm. out it saves the integrity of the shape that you're in <laughs> um awesome okay well then that brings us to gratitude for uh for this episode and a chance to share some gratitude for the for some characters uh remember if you go first you get to be have dibs on whatever character not that you can't do it first but you know there are, you can always share more gratitude for different characters, but going first means you didn't steal someone else's Kelly. Um, <laughs> just want to put it out there. <laughs> yeah, so. There it is. <laughs> Any further? Um, oh yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did mention before there's the moment where he and Aang are playing pie show and it, that's like the big moment to me. Um, and, you know, it's something that I, I feel like I, I take away a lot from because he clearly has a, a balance and a comfortable, um, he's very comfortable with, you know, not letting insecurity overwhelm him even in the face of like such dangers as like in in uh incoming war um in which ang will be 
very important. He still knows that it's important for Aang to still be himself because if insecurity overcomes him, then he'll end up in the iceberg for a hundred years. <laughs> um, well, I mean, not exactly, but he knows that nothing good can come of the Avatar overcome, uh, you know, giving into insecurity. Mm. I'm going to go for uh, Zuko's ship captain. I don't know if we ever get his name. I'm sure it's in like the episode. Transfer, probably. With you somewhere. Um, but I just, granted, I get that it's like kind of just like part of the way the episode's written to get some exposition, you know, on Zuko, get the backstory. But like the captain is like peeved early in the episode because Zuko is just being an ass and he's like this guy and then Iroh's like sit down let me tell you the story of why my nephew's like this and then at the end the ship captain's like wow I can tell that getting the avatar is really important to Zuko and I'm kind of on his side and I just like that the ship captain is like really understanding and willing to like maybe empathize a little bit with Zuko and then they help save that guy later so it kind of like seals like this unspoken bond between them. I'm really thankful for the fisherman's wife because- Dang it. <laughs> got you. Because she seeks out Aang and Katara in the middle of a storm. And if, I'm remembering correctly, Aang and Katara flew to that cave on Appa. Is that right? So mm -hmm. she climbed the literal side of a mountain to get to the Avatar because he's the only one who can save her husband and Sokka, right? Because she knows that they're going to perish otherwise in this storm that one, she warned them about. She's like, my joints are telling me that, you know, a storm is impending, which is like, not that I live in a, a, like a fisher community, but like, that's an actual thing. So I think it's just mm -hmm. interesting that, you know, the fisherman just brushes her off. Not like they clearly they've been together for a while. They're, they're old, right? They've been fisher people for a while. One would assume from the way they set it up and he just brushes her off because he's so secure in his own thought that I'm going to go fish today. And she risks her life to save his life by seeking out the avatar i had never thought about how they flew to that cave and she had to get there somehow so that's that's a that's we don't a moment not have been that high it looked pretty high up it was in the middle of a storm of <laughs> <laughs> a hurricane she's just out there she's she comes in dripping wet right she's just like hey <laughs> Does she, say, does she say, I told you so, though, later? Or does she just say, hey, you need you owe you an owe, apology? She's like, you should pay them or something. Yeah, but I feel like, oh, the she, apology, yeah. She doesn't even say, like, does she even go for the, I told I you so? I don't think like, she does. that's just very, that's very selfless of her. Mm. Well, and for almost the exact reasoning, she was mine. And, I, and part of that, too, is because I think she highlights something that a lot of us struggle with immensely when we feel insecure about things and that's just asking for help 
Like she literally, she just asked for help. And I, there are so many times where I have felt so insecure about a topic or subject. And I just, I just sat in it because I didn't want people to think that I didn't know what I was doing. And so like that, that ability to just say, I can't save my husband. Um, I'm not, I, I don't have that skill set. Can you help me is such a, a skill that I need to practice so much more than I do currently. Well, and so that's why I wanted to lift her up. I think it's worth like the difference between asking for help coming from a place of insecurity versus asking for help, knowing that you're worthy of love and belonging, right? When you know that you are worthy, you are much more willing to ask for help because your worthiness isn't hinging upon whether you need help or not. Right. But if you don't, but if you're worthy and you believe that, then you're much more willing to ask for help because you know that your worthiness isn't contingent upon that. Um, so that's, that's, this is this fisherman's wife, just modeling humility and worthiness for us. I'm grateful for Katara because um, as she so often does, she, she gives Aang the space to work through what he's, what he's going through. And um, she also, her first instinct is always to defend him, which I super appreciate. <laughs> I love that. I love that a lot. Yeah, I, so again, I, I've been, again, trying not to reference Zuko as much on these um, Gifts of Imperfection episodes. And it's really just pointed me towards this is Zuko trying to process his trauma. <laughs> and this is the moment where we see like the, not necessarily the, like, the origin of everything but we do this is certainly a pivotal moment in his story if if not an origin story um and to think what he could have been if because i i think that he i mm, it's difficult to say because i wonder if it, he would have taken longer to get to where he got by the end of the series if as I didn't do that to him and he had to like continue to like I wonder if it would have been a much slower burn <laughs> if you will um instead of just a really you know ripping off the band-aid burn that left a very large scar um but anyway I'm, I'm thankful for Zuko because he's consistently showing me what it looks like to uh, grapple with tough things and he doesn't always do it well but he definitely gives us examples of all the things so I'm thankful for Zuko alright y'all that brings us to a close uh, for this live episode next month we will do what is next month? next month is September and the first Monday of the month we usually do the second Monday is that right uh, the second Monday of the month is Monday the 13th so we will plan for Monday the 13th and we'll post that on Patreon obviously and we'll be doing episode 13 um, any questions or comments for the good of the order before I stop recording 
cool, 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 cool. All right. Well, until next time, be well and do good.